Well, hello and welcome to the Talking Transformation podcast. This is Matt Bird, the founder of Cinnamon Network International. And I'm thrilled to have as my special guest this week, Paul Cowley, uh, who is part of the HDB family of churches in central London. Paul, it's great to have you with us as our guest today. Thanks, Matt. Lovely to be with you. Looking forward to it. We've journeyed together over many years. We're passionate about Jesus together. And the other thing we're passionate about together is getting churches engaged in their communities in transformative ways. And you've been such a pioneer uh, in this regard for many years. It's a real honour to have you on the podcast with me this week. Thank you so much. And Paul, just tell me a little bit about and we'll, we'll we'll come back to it later but tell us you know what's your context at the moment where are you leading where are you impacting what are you up to thanks matt at, at the moment i'm um i'm running hdb's fifth site hdb is a large anglican church in central london i've been on staff now uh, just over 20 years 23 years really um and we've got five sites i started their fourth site which is a, an anglo-catholic site and we've just, uh, well, two years in now, started their fifth site, which is very different. It's a, an urban estate-based church up in, um, in North Kensington, North London, by the, um, by the tower, unfortunately, that was on fire, the Glenville Tower. So I'm wow. based there. Wow. Incredible, Paul. Well, you know, we were chatting recently, weren't we, about the impact of volunteering on our lives. And, uh, you know, just tell us, you know, where did you start your working life? And, uh, you know, when did Jesus get a hold of you? And when did you first start volunteering? And what difference did that make to you? Wow, big questions. Um, <laughs> I uh, had a bit of a bumpy start in life. And uh, one of the parts that really saved my life, I spent 17 years in the British Army, which was uh, fantastic. Um, mentally and physically, but not spiritually. I was... Um, I was an atheist all my life, really, up to the age of 40. Both my parents were atheists. And what happened, long story short, a friend in the military became a Christian. And uh, it was a bit of a shock, actually, because he was a, a worse character than me. He had this encounter with Jesus when he was training the Gurkhas in Hong Kong. And then for some reason, God only knows, he got in touch with me. I didn't quite like the character, but he got in touch with me and I went to see him. And he'd become this Christian, whatever that was. And we spent three days together. We, we drank and we ran. We've always been quite fit. We met in the Army Physical Training Corps. And over those three days, he sort of talked to me about God, which was really weird in a, in a way. And on the last night, long story short, he left me with a piece of scripture. And, uh, and I gave my life to Christ, really, on my own in, in the sergeant's mess in the Army wow. Physical Training School in, in Aldershot. Wow. Uh, but nothing, nothing sort of magical happened. Um, I carried on. I was a general manager running a health club in, in central London, Champneys. Uh, and then I was encouraged to do an alpha course. And it was the alpha course that um, brought all this stuff together, really. God, faith, Christianity, Jesus. And I had, a, I had an encounter with him with God on the, on this weekend, which really changed my life. And then I got involved in the church. The church grabs you in a little bit. And yeah. there was a lady there called Emmy Wilson, who was on the pastoral staff, who asked me, I gave a testimony and she asked me if I wanted to go on a prison visit. And I said, no, not interested. Because, 
as a young man, I'd been in prison, so I've been trying to avoid that and hide it for years. And but she was very persuasive, and I went to I went to Dartmoor Prison as a volunteer. Um, yeah, well, there's two ways I, to go to prison. I'm glad you were going for the second one on this occasion. I went. Uh, yeah, right. I went as a volunteer, um, <laughs> and uh, I did. She did some talks in the chapel in Dartmoor Prison, and on my drive back on my own from uh, Dartmoor to London to open the club in the morning. I remember thinking, this is really weird. And I felt God, if I've ever felt him, say to me, this is this is what I want to do with you. This is a plan I've got for you. And from that day on, I started volunteering and working at the same time. So it was a, a member of, uh, of HDB and God and volunteering that got me into all this stuff yeah. years later. Yeah. I mean, we call it all sorts of things, don't we? Whether it's volunteering or doing the work of God or, you know, fulfilling your calling. But but I so believe in the impact of basically rolling up our sleeves and getting stuck in because it's too easy just to preach, pray and praise about this stuff, but actually not do it. And, uh, you know, and, and, and actually just doing it getting involved, loving on people, meeting people in tough places at tough times in their lives can be, yeah, transformational for them, but it's also transformational to us. Uh, and Paul, what was, the, what was the impact that it began to have on you? Well, I think what you've just said, Matt, is, uh, is true. You know, I've been a Christian quite a while now and I'm ordained, I'm a priest in the Church of England. But it was always the... Um, it was always the practical side that interested me more than those things that you mentioned, the prayer, the praise, you know, the worship and the, the sermons and the preaching, which is all really important. But for me, I guess it's my background and maybe it's the military stuff. I always wanted to get stuck in practically. So actually, even though I went kicking and streak, screaming on this prison visit, it was the practical side of my life's history and all the stuff that I was you know, ashamed of and not that you bounce around in church, been in prison, divorced, all that sort of stuff actually made me quite useful in a prison because there was a lot of men in the prison that had the same sort of lifestyle as me. So weirdly enough, I found it really easy to talk to the men because we had a lot in common. So it was the the physical side, the getting involved, as you said, the sleeves rolled up that really changed my life for the next, you know, 25 years. Yeah, incredible. And, I mean, you you wouldn't say this, but I can, but knowing um, HTB and and the leaders there, you're you're known as, if something's broken or not working, give it to Paul Cowley because he'll sort it out. Um, You've got that kind of reputation. I I probably have. I've got a few reputations, probably. (laughs) Not not all brilliant, but, yeah, no, no, I think... well, I'd be quite honoured to have that reputation, really, because if if something's difficult, better now, because now we've established lots of ministries at HDB, the homeless, the you know, the aftercare, the prisons, the yeah. but they're all things like we are that are broken. So I got involved in trying to fix broken things, i.e. us. So, yeah, yeah. I guess I am, really. Yeah. And... You know, your your passion in this area, you know, has over the last 20 odd years that you've been part of the HTB family and leadership, it's had a big impact, hasn't it? Um, what, what have you seen change? 
Well, they've been, you know, Sandy Miller was the vicar that uh, when I joined and he's the one that pushed me forward for ordination and encouraged me. Amazing. And then Nicky Gumbel took over and I've been with those two all my sort of Christian life as sort of uh, leaders. Not a bad pair to hang out with. Not a bad pair to hang out with. Sandy used to say, you know, hitch, hitch your carriage to a star and stick with them. And I've had some amazing people and they've really <clears throat> encouraged me and helped me. So, you know, they're the ones that Sandy, when I went to him, I said, I, I think I'd quite like to take Alpha, the Alpha course, into the prisons. He said, OK, let's see what happens. And then again with Sandy and Nikki about the aftercare program, Care Infects Offenders. OK, but let's see what happens. So they've always encouraged me when I came with these ideas to fix broken things. Prisoners, aftercare, people caught in addiction, mental health yeah. issues, um, a homeless shelter, night shelters. So we started um, Cross Light Debt and they've allowed me to start all those things. I'm not running them now. Hundreds of volunteers are, but they're the ones that encourage me. And, and I think that really changed the, the face of uh, Holy Trinity Brompton, not me, the impact of the volunteer sector getting involved in trying to fix broken things. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're in a situation now, I mean, I mean, what happened, you know, uh, or when the Grenfell Towers burned down? It was just, I, I was on an overnight flight and I remember landing that morning and uh, and hearing the news and just devastating. I mean, uh, brokenness, beyond brokenness. And, and now you're you're working and you're serving in that community. I mean, where do you start, Paul? Well, when we got there, Matt, we, it was less than a year since the fire when um, the Bishop of Kendings and Graham Tomlin and Nicky Gumbel got this sort of um, deal together to take the church on. And Nicky's got a passion for helping on estates, and, and so have I. So it was a very sort of uh, very dark, sort of heavy uh, area for obvious reasons. We've just sort of uh, gone through the three-year anniversary where we we all rang the bells in the area to celebrate, not well, not celebrate, to commiserate the seventy odd people that lost their lives. So it's been it's been really hard for the area, um, but they're coming back, and and I think the church really came to light at the time. Graham Tomlin was one of the first bishops, yeah. Bishop of Kensington, on the scene, and the church were the first people to open their doors, even on the night of the fire. Yeah. Yeah. So it really raised the profile of, of all faith communities. But the church really stepped in and um, and it and it's had a lasting impression. One lady said to me the other day, who's not from the Christian faith, she's she's a, a Muslim lady, lovely woman, who came who comes to the food bank that we run on the Thursday, and she said to me quietly, I'm so glad that the church didn't run away when it got difficult during COVID. Wow. Uh, and that that was really powerful to me. You know, she said, you kept your doors open. You didn't run away. And we've yeah. been feeding over 400 families um, every week. Incredible. Um, and so how are you seeing, you know, volunteering, getting involved, embracing the brokenness and, you know, seeing healing come? How are you seeing that work out in, in, in the community um, in St. Francis? Well, in the community, you know, before before lockdown and everything changed, we had yeah. cross-light debt 
up there, which was um, which was full every day. You know, interviews where people could get help with all sorts of um, small debt issues to to eviction issues. We've got caring for ex offenders training for mentors up there. We're running Alpha up there. Um, you know, we've started stuff with the homeless up there. <clears throat> so everything that we started at the the main church HDB has gone through all the sites. Yeah. But the community up there has been amazing at embracing and coming in to to want to get help, but also to offer help. We've had so many people volunteer and bring. I mean, these are poor people who who you know, have made certain choices or whatever, lifestyles, but been bringing us food to give out to poor people from poor people. It's incredible. I, I, I find that extraordinarily moving, you know, yeah. people bringing things around to the church saying, yeah. you know, can I help? Can I volunteer? Yeah. Different things they've been doing. So, so it's the community helping the community through volunteering. And we've been supporting the local council up there as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's been very moving, actually. God, amazing. Um, and Paul, you've, I mean, you've had a, you've had an incredible journey. I mean, you mentioned earlier you spent some uh, years in prison um, as a younger man. Um, you now you're an ordained pastor, you're an ordained vicar. You know, uh, you, you've actually got an amazing, amazing story. And I, I, I'm excited to read it and I, I, I want to get my hands on a copy. But you've just recently published your story so for people to read. Tell us about it. Yeah, well... Goodness, talking to a man who's published I don't know how many books. Uh, ten or so. First. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to keep up with you. No, it's the first one. And uh, I, I do take my hat off to people who write books because uh, Amanda, my wife, wrote the book. Um, and it's taken us over six years to put it together. It's called, um, it's my life, really. It's called Thief, Prisoner, Soldier, Priest. And they were the they were the four areas of my life which we've been talking about. And um, the reason we put it together, I had this uh, one because people said you should put your story down in writing. Yeah. And which people do very kindly. But the other thing was I had this, um, and I believe it was a God-given image, but I had this image of a, of a young man in a prison cell with his head in his hands in a hopeless situation. And, and as you know, in Proverbs, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So while we were writing it, I always had this image of trying to bring hope to the hopeless. Mm. And, and you, you've been in prisons, right? They, they are, you know, sometimes they've been described as warehouses of pain. So the idea to write the book was to get it into the prison system to say, don't give up. You know, we have an extraordinary yep. God who changes ordinary people's lives into extraordinary, which, which he did with mine. I'm just yeah. a kid from Crawford who late in life met God uh, and God did some and is still doing some extraordinary things. Yeah. So the wow. book was published by Hodder. It's available yeah. on Amazon. And, and the idea yeah. is to, um, the exciting thing, Matt, sorry, is we've just, um, I wanted to put it into the prisons, but the prisons don't have much budget at all. So that was going to be difficult. Um, but out of the blue, we had three sponsors write to me who didn't know each other. One in America, two in the UK said, we'd like to, give you some money to put the book into prisons wow and we've just put we've just put over seven thousand books into the uk prison system so every prison in the uk that's 138 prisons in england and wales and or the uk has just yeah. got 50 50 books amazing so it's been it's been um you know i say to you as another christian man the vision that god gave me is 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 coming true which i still find extraordinary 
Yeah, amazing. We can get so uh, if, if if we if people want the book, go on Amazon uh, and Google your name, Paul Cowley. Or what's just remind us of the name of the book again? Yeah, if you just go on Amazon or um, St. Andrew's Bookshop, which is an amazing Christian publishers, it's called Thief, Prisoner, Soldier, Priest. Uh, and it's thief, available. Prisoner, there. Soldier, Thief. Okay. Priest. Sounds no, great. Priest, priest at the end. Man, no, not soldier, soldier free. Okay. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, Paul, you know, for leaders listening to this podcast around the world who are inspired by your story, obviously they can get the book. But, you know, what in terms of coming back to this kind of getting involved, volunteering, doing the work of the kingdom, uh, what three bits of practical advice would you give church leaders? about mobilising volunteers in their churches to get stuck in uh, to their local communities? Because sometimes it can, be, it can be hard to ramp people up and get them involved. So what practical advice would you give to other leaders? Oh, wow. I'd, well, I think I'd say to, to leaders or pastors of churches or community bases is to have a look around, which they probably are doing anyway. Who am I to tell them? Have a look around in the area and see what the need is, just because... One church is doing something, you know, they may be doing an amazing prison ministry. It doesn't mean you have to do it. So have a look what, what the need is in your area um, and yeah. get involved and research and do some sort of um, data analysis on, on what's needed in, in your area. Then the next thing I do is I'd probably, if I, if I was running a church, I'd talk about those needs in my area and ask people if they wanted to get involved in that. And then I suppose the third and final thing is once you had a group of people who are interested in certain areas, I'd let them try everything. If you imagine sort of a funnel, I yeah. think you've got to be able to try everything and then you find out what you don't want to do, which is as important as finding out what you want to do. But unless you try you know, a prison visit, unless you go to a homeless shelter, unless you try and do something or whatever it might be and you feel like yeah. you don't want to do it, and I'd say to leaders, allow them to come to you and say, that's not what I want to do and say, brilliant. That's fantastic that you don't want to do that. Do you want to try something else? And then eventually, yeah. I think by encouraging people, you end up putting them in the slot and in that plan that God has for them. But they've got to be able to fail, to, to not like doing it and to try it until they find out where they want to be. I never thought I would end up back in the prison system ever in my life. <laughs> incredible incredible that's great it's just so practical trial and error just try stuff and keep trying don't give up keep trying until you find the uh the place that's for you and the act of service that's for you so so good well paul it's been a real privilege uh having you as my guest uh today thank you so very much uh, we're going to go out and get your book uh we're going <laughs> to take your advice uh, is there one last uh closing thought you'd like to leave us with today just i i was just thinking while you were chatting there just that as as leaders listen to this we're all leaders we're all as areas of influence it's just just always encourage people i know that sounds cliched but you know just the, just a hand on someone's shoulder or just a, an encouraging word like proverbs said is a golden apple if if i hadn't been encouraged when i was really nervous to do that prison visit if I hadn't have been encouraged to have a go at doing Alpha in prison and all the ministries that are now operating 
goodness, around the world through through HDV and different things. Yeah, it's just I've always been encouraged to have a go. You know, Sandy and mm. Nikki and the leadership have always said, Paul, let's just have a go and see what happens. If God's in it, it will be successful. If He isn't, then you can do something else. And I think it's that that has always spurred me on to have yeah. a go. Amazing. Thank you. So, guys, let's be encouraged and let's constantly encourage the people around us. Paul, thank you so much for being our guest today. It's been a real honour and privilege. Thanks, Matt. God bless.